Everybody say glory, glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Since I laid my burdens down. How many glad you laid your burdens down? Praise God. I'm glad God's able to take those burdens. Amen. And, and uh, just give us that, that new life, that new uh, perspective, that new relationship. So glad to see you all here this evening on this uh, hot Wednesday evening. But we do know that this will pass, right? And uh, we will find ourselves back in the throes of snow or cold or winter. So, amen, we'll take this while we got it. Who said woo-woo? Oh, my goodness. Come on there, Sister Nikki. Praise God. You had to take Sister Brenda's place while she's out of town. Amen. It's good to see you all here. And all those that are with us uh, on live stream, we're glad that you've joined us tonight. And we hope all is well. And uh, uh, we're praying that this uh, COVID stuff will just get out of here and leave us alone. Let us just, amen, have our life back to normal. Amen. A lot of us are still going about our days, doing all that we're supposed to do, but uh, amen, we would like to get this stuff done and over with. Praise God. Well, tonight we're going to go back to the book of Colossians, the third chapter. We're going to be picking up verses, we're going to start in verse 5. I'm not for sure how I will get verse 5 through 11, but uh, if you will just uh, uh, follow me for a moment here. In fact, uh, before we get to that, let's just pray, and uh, I'm going to let you sit down, and we'll start, and then I'll get to the scripture here in a minute. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity once again to be in your house of worship. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. For truly, it is our instructor. Amen. And I pray, God, that you would help us to follow your word tonight. Let your word, amen, speak to our hearts, and let us receive it with gladness. Amen. And we're praying, God, that your word would uh, move us. Amen. Closer to you, because that's what this relationship is all about, is to daily walk with you. Amen. I pray, God, that you administer to us, each and every one of us tonight, in Jesus' wonderful name we pray, and everybody say amen. You may be seated. Uh, tonight we're going to begin uh, talking about uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ in practical life. Everybody say practical life. And as it is typical in Paul's epistles, uh, a section of practical applications follows the doctrinal heart of this letter that Paul had written to the Colossians. And uh, the passage we're going to read here, beginning in verse 5, uh, applies the truths that uh, were being taught in the preceding portion of the book uh, about daily uh, Christian living. In particular, uh, Colossians 5, or 3, verses 5 through 17, elaborates on the principles of uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 that we dealt with last week. 
and by contrast, the false teaching that we have been talking about at Colossus failed to provide a practical guidance for godly living. Because how many realizes tonight that our relationship involves godly living, right? And uh, it did not restrain uh, the flesh or enable people to walk in holiness. In fact, in Colossians 2 and verse 23, the Bible says, which things have indeed a, a show of wisdom in, in, will, in, in will worship and humility and, and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Amen. So instead of imposing a legalistic code as the false teacher that we have dealt with and that Paul was dealing with at that time, as it did, the uh, Paul being inspired presented a comprehensive set of principles for our Christian life. And I, I stress tonight that that's very important. What we're going to go through tonight and uh, maybe next week, it depends on how far I get tonight, uh, we want to deal with the teaching that Paul uh, taught uh, showing the way of true holiness. You know, the day and time we live in today is very important for us to really see it for what it is. Amen. See our day and time for what it is. Even before the COVID and all, uh, all the other things the world is going through right now. Amen. We have to realize that this is still the end time. And I think what we're seeing is just uh, the, the uh, multiplying of events uh, is just a reminder to you and I that the Lord is coming back for his church. And you and I, amen, as, a, as part of the body, we want to be ready for that. So let's look at, at these verses here in Colossians 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 5. And uh, notice what it says here. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And notice it says fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concubinance, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake, for which things uh, sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, into which ye all ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now, everybody say, but now, ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Everybody say, filthy communication out of your mouth. Now, we have, we have our understanding of what filthy communication is, right? And so, but yet sometimes we have other things that we can say in the place of them. That we have to be careful about because sometimes we substitute things that, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, uh, let's just call it the real deal. All right? Amen. Then it says, lie not one to another. Amen. Have we told that lie lately? Seeing that you have put off the old man. Everybody see the old man? With his deeds. And have put on a new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor free. But Christ is all and in all. How many believe that tonight? So let's start tonight, beginning in verse 5, and uh, as in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1, the word therefore, therefore marks 
a transition from a doctrinal discussion to a practical exhortation. And it shows the logical and necessary connection between the Theolog uh, between theology and practical life. And you hear about that from time to time. Uh, wh what you're learning, now turn it into a practice or pra a practical. Uh, a spiritual understanding of the one uh, true God revealed in Jesus Christ, the atoning work of Jesus and the new birth, it will lead people to walk in the holiness that this word is talking about tonight. Amen. So the primary exhortation is for us to act as new people. In other words, hey, your old man's dead. You are a new man, so don't act like the old guy. Just in a nutshell. Isn't that what it says? Don't act like the old guy. Now, sometimes we act like the old guy. We let our flesh get in the way, and we start acting like the old guy, and that's where, that's where the spirit that's inside of us, convicts us and says, ah, I shouldn't act that way, right? Amen, because we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen, that's what we're working on. Are we perfect? No. Why? Because that old man still likes to rise up, right? How many has had your old man rise up lately? Right, yeah, some of us has. Uh, my, my granddaughter is rising up right now. And, and so, uh, so uh, the primary extra is for us to be new people. And so we are to live... Uh, in accordance with what happened to us. When we had that life-changing experience, <clears throat> now we are to walk in Him, live in Him, and there, there, there's a transformation that takes place in our lives. And so <clears throat> this will happen in a lifestyle and in our identity. Amen. Not, it'll, it'll be a lifestyle change and your identity. In other words, people will know, <coughs> excuse me, that something happen in your life amen and I'm, I'm glad for that today I'm glad every time says every time somebody says to me you're you're different or uh, or do you go to church or you uh, you know or sometimes people will say you look like a preacher whatever I don't know what that means uh, maybe my way I comb my hair or or whatever but 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 the Bible just simply lets us know we died to sin and, it's, and Paul's trying to get us to understand that sin has no claim upon us. The only, the, only, the only way sin can have any claim on you and I is if we allow it to do that by how we act or what we say or how we walk, right? And so we understand we must act out this truth every day that we live, right? And so let's look over at Romans, uh, the sixth chapter real quick. And let me read you something here, verses six, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. It's lengthy, but just follow with me here. Amen. And so Paul writes here to the Romans, what, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, he said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like, or, or that, that, that word like, just, that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted 
or united together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not do what? Amen. The translation is that is to be slaves of sin. Verse 7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Amen. Or once for all. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, Reckon or consider ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Or in Jesus Christ, we are alive unto God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. How many believes that tonight? So he said specifically we are to mortify. Mortify. What does that word mortify mean? That word mortify just simply means put to death or kill, that's a strong word, kill all carnality. Amen? That carnal nature. In Romans 8, 13, it says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Amen? If you put those things to death in your body. So verse 5 lists five specific evils that you and I must uh, divest ourselves from or uh, in using that word we got to kill out. So they progress from more specific to more general and then uh, and they overlap. So in effect the list covers all evil desires and attitudes. So let's look at them. The first one that he talks about is fornication. Everybody say fornication. Fornication is just sexually immoral acts. It's just, it's just the way it is. It, it covers a, it's pretty general. It covers a lot of different things. And, uh, and basically, that's what that means. Fornication, sexually immoral acts. The second word it comes to is uncleanness. Uncleanness just simply means impurity. And, and when you look at Romans, the first chapter, uh, it gives us a list. So, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Romans 1. If you want to turn to Romans 1, verses 24 uh, through 27. Let's read this here. What's it say? Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the Creator more or rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26 says, For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change or exchange the natural use unto, unto or for that which is against nature. 
And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemingly, uh, unseemingly or shameful, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet or which was due. So uncleanness is impurity. There's a lot of things that that word uncleanness kind of incorporates. Then you have that which says inordinate affection or lustful or dishonorable passions. The next word he used was evil concupiscence. That just simply means evil desires. How many has ever known somebody that just had evil desires? Uh, if you haven't, just pick, just pick up, uh, uh, read your news feed or, 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 or uh, your news and you will pretty much hear every day uh, of somebody that basically uh, had evil desires. Uh, I, I was, uh, I, every morning I get up, and that's part of my process, in the morning is I catch the news. And then uh, uh, I, I'll, I'll read that, and then before I go to bed at night, I will read the news again. Sometimes I catch it through the day, and I catch up what's going on. And as I read down that feed, I'm thinking, man, how can people be this way? How can people be this way? Uh, do you remember a few years ago when the little girl was abducted in, uh, I believe it was Portugal, her mom and dad was vacationing, and they went, uh, which is something I would have never done, and left your three-year-old and, and two other siblings sleeping while you went to eat with your friends and then and come back only to find your three-year-old was gone. And now, uh, as I read today, back in Germany, in northern Germany, they feel like they've got the guy that uh, uh, abducted the girl, of course, uh, she's no longer with us. But in my mind, I'm thinking, that's evil. That's evil. You read about things that goes on in our country, things of that nature. It's evil. Uh, they don't know what happened to a family of five in Elyria, Ohio. I read that this morning. A family of five. The officers went at about 8.30, uh, 1 in the morning to do a well check, only to find all five of them dead in the house. Don't know why. We'll find out. They'll tell us someday. But, but, but things like that. Uh, that go on in the world today, you scratch your head and say, you wonder, how can people do this? How can people be this way? To do things that maybe your conscience or my conscience would say, there's no way, right? And so there are evil desires. The next word is covetousness. We may not uh, think about that too much, but covetousness simply means greed, uh, acquisitive desire, self-seeking, desire for more than one ought to have, especially something that belongs to others. And so in this contest, it may have a particular reference to wrongful desires for someone else's spouse. In fact, in Exodus 20 chapter and verse 17, it tells us simply this. It says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife nor his, man, his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Thou shalt not cover. If it, it, don't covet it. Amen. It's not yours. Amen. So don't covet it. What do we see in our world today? Covetousness, covetousness runs rampant. You see it everywhere you turn, it seems. So greed actually is a form of idolatry. Amen. Money can be your God. Greed can be your God. Amen. For it makes a God 
out of an object, the object of greed. Amen. So such as I mentioned, material possessions, greed. And so this, this object becomes the greedy person's priority, and in effect, he serves it. Amen. You can, I won't turn over there now, but you can go back later and reference Matthew 6 uh, and also Matthew 12. 624 in Matthew, Luke 12, and verse 15. Amen. So the object uh, becomes the greedy person's priority, and in effect, they serve it. So whatever that greed is, that's what you serve. Amen. That's the reason why. Is it wrong to have money? No. Amen. But we do know the Scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. So you, you have to, Brother Howard, you have to maintain your priorities when it comes to the, those things, whether it's your house, whether it is, 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 is the, the things of, that, you, that you have in possession or that you want, you've got to realize that you can't let those things become your God. You can't let them dictate what you do, but you dictate what you do with those things. Amen. So uh, it's important for us to realize in this contest these, these things here. Fornication, uncleanness, inward affection, evil concubines, and covetousness. Uh, he, he puts it for a reason. So what I'm saying tonight is that they were having these issues then. So he brings them to light and said these are issues. And so even today it speaks to us. Even on this beautiful day in 2020. Amen. It tells us these are the same things that you and I as the body of Christ must be aware of and also, if I can just use it this term, keep it in check. How? By living a godly life. Verse 6 talks about the wrath of God that comes upon people because of their sins. Now, we do realize that God's coming, amen, and even though the world is going its own way, one day God is going to judge the sins of man. Amen? And uh, he will judge man because of those sins. And God's wrath is his judicial attitude that he has in relation to sin. Doesn't mean vindictiveness. It doesn't mean bitterness. It doesn't mean personal hatred toward the person. God's hatred of sin is a necessary part of the love that he has for humanity. Why is that? God knows what sin does to man. He's known this all the way in the beginning when man messed up in the Garden of Eden. Amen. He has a hatred for sin because he understands that sin damages people. It perverts people. It destroys humanity. That's why you and I need to be on guard for that. Because we know that sin will destroy us. Sin will enable us to live a righteous life. Sin will enable us or, or, or keep us from walking with God. It stops us from living for God. It destroys the spiritual nature of man and replaces it with a sinful nature. And folks, that is not the will of God. So verse 6 is very important for you and I to realize, amen, what that means. Let's go back, uh, if, if I may, to Colossians, and let's just read that again 
in verse 3 and verse 6. Notice what it says. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. <clears throat> it cometh. It's coming, folks. Amen. It's coming. Amen. I don't know about you, but how many want to live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord? Amen. Amen. I, I want to live that life of Enoch where his testimony was that he pleased God. He was not, for God took him. Amen. So if, if we want to be raptured or if we want to be taken home to be with the Lord when he comes for the church, then we got to keep this in our mind and realize that, amen, sin will damage us, amen, but the Spirit of God will repair us and make us right. Verse 7 says, it reminds us that all of us once walked in these sins when we lived uh, in them. Why, why does it say that? Well, Paul wrote Romans uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 23, he said, for all of sin. Amen. For all of sin. Say that with me. For all of sin. Let's say it again. For all of sin. We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. So you and I have to realize that, that the word here, why is it here? Why is it as, as such? Why is it why does it read the way it reads? Because it wants to enlighten our mind and say, look, here is some traps in, in, in the world. Here is some traps that the enemy's laid for you. So be, uh, be alert. Be on guard. Realize, know them for what they are. That's why we read the Word of God. Amen. So we can recognize when those things come against us, amen, that God is wanting to keep us from them. So, verse 8 says, we are not to continue. Uh, uh, verse 8 says simply this. Let me read it. Amen. But now you also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. So, we are not to, in other words, you know, a lot of people feel like you can be saved, but you don't have to change. Your lifestyle hadn't changed. Your conversation doesn't have to change. Amen. The things you used to do don't have to change. Right? A lot of people have that mindset, but yet Paul says you can't continue in your sins. Amen. So by the grace of God, how? We are to put off all sinful attitudes, all that nature, all of those actions. Why? Because you can describe it this way. Sin is like dirty clothing. Right? How many likes to wear dirty clothing? When you're out working hard, like on a day like today, or at your job, or wherever, and you come home, and you take those clothes, right, and you put them on the chair and say, I'll just wear that tomorrow. And then tomorrow, you put on those dirty clothes, you go back, you sweat some more, and you get them really soaked, and you come home, and the hamper's over there, but you think, you know what, I'm going to wear this tomorrow. Now, before too long, you're going to have people walking by going, what is that smell? That, that stinks. Amen. Has, any, has anybody, has anybody, I won't ask, don't raise your hand, but has anybody thought that or said that when you got in the presence of something and said, man, that stinks. What is that? Only to probably come to the conclusion, oh, man. Right? So you got to look at sin like, like dirty clothing. If you keep putting it on every day, sooner or later you're going to become rank. Maybe other people, 
you know, but yet in the eyes of God, he's going to look at your life and say, I'm smelling something that's not normal here. Amen? And so we as, as people can look at people's lives and we know that they're wearing the old sinful nature. They keep putting it on. Right? You say, Pastor, that's a silly illustration. Well, it's not really a silly illustration. It's just, it's, it's uncleanness. Right? It's like, it's like if I would ask the question tonight, does everybody take a shower, a bath, or whatever? Most people do take showers. You say, well, why did you say most? Because some people don't. And after a while, it's pretty obvious. You're getting quiet on me tonight. Right? Maybe I shouldn't say it, Brother Howard, but sometimes people, or you know, some, some folks have a special deodorant that they wear. It's almost like they got a nice ripe onion in their medicine cabinet and that's what they use as deodorant. You see, folks, it's important for us to realize that, that, that living for God is just not a, you don't start and then everything's fine. No, it's a process. There, you you got you to gotta walk with God. You got to, it's cleanliness. You got to stay clean in God, right? So you got to work, wash yourself with the word, right? Clean, let the word, let prayer and these things, you got to wash yourself in them. Why? Because you're going to wash Amen. That uncleanness, you're going to wash that, that dirt away out of your life. It's important. So we have to understand that we are basically to divest ourselves of sin by continually putting to death uh, those things uh, that, that try to destroy us. In addition to the sins that are listed in 5, in verse 5, let me go through... Uh, uh, five attitudes, everybody say attitudes, that we got to put off. Attitudes. Um, I can't, see, I, I'm not used to this because I want to tell you to look at your neighbor and say, do you have one of these attitudes? But let's just say it out loud forward. Let's say, do we have one of these attitudes? Are you ready? Do we have one of these attitudes? Are you ready for this? The first one he mentions is anger. Everybody say anger. Does anybody in the house tonight or watching us uh, uh, over internet, do you ever get angry? Some of us may have got angry today. <laughs> now, according to Matthew, anger without cause is wrong. I'm not saying, you know, you know the Bible even tell us, you know, be angry and what? Sin not. So we can get angry, but then I got to think, how am I going to project that anger? How am I going to uh, uh, let that anger, how am I going to let it, is it going to rule me or am I going to be able to put it in check? Amen? So while anger as an instinctive reaction to wrong is not sin, in itself, it can make a person dangerously susceptible to sin. And then when harbored as an attitude, it can become sinful. It, it can lead to the sins of what? Things like revenge, right? 
something happens, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to you know, get you. How many have ever heard that? Sometimes I'll, you know, you'll see these court cases where the judge pronounces the sentence and all of a sudden that, that individual gets enraged and if I get out, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to look you up. Have you ever seen those things before? Have you ever have you heard that? I'm going to do this or I, I'm going to do that. <clears throat> and revenge. Let me ask a question. Has anybody here tonight ever thought about revenge? I said thought about it. There's a difference between thinking about it and acting on it. Because I think we probably have thought it, but we, we kind of allowed prayer and stuff to cause it to exit our mindset. What about bitterness? Amen? Anger can lead us to bitterness. It can lead us to hatred, or it can lead us to this one, abusive speech. You know, folks, you don't have to literally hit somebody when you're angry. A lot of people don't hit anybody when they're angry, but man, they sure have a mouth on them. And they will say some things that can cut deeper than, than, a, than, a, than a physical knife could. You say, but a knife will kill you. But words sometimes can create damage beyond what we ever know. See, Jesus apparently became angry. He did. And he cast dishonest money changers out of the temple. But he did not sin. In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 26 and 7, and it admonishes us, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. In other words, man, when it happens, don't let that sun set without correcting that. Right? That's what Paul said. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You can't give him that spot. See, even when we're angry, even when it's justifiable, we can't let it lead to sin. So what do we do then? Well, we use it, uh, uh, you know, uh, we use its motivation to act in a positive way. How? By de-stressing a situation. De-stressing it. How do we do that? Well, somebody has to be able to do that when something is in that, when you're in that situation. Somebody has to have their mind about them that can de-escalate or de-stress the situation. So basically what he's saying, we got to put away anger quickly and not let it develop into a sin attitude, a sin attitude. So do we have that attitude? Do we have that anger? Does that get a hold of us? And we allow it to go too far. The second attitude is wrath. What is wrath? Wrath, rage, passionate outburst, violent anger, quick temper. How many's got a quick temper? There's one. There's a reason why Paul put these things here. There's a reason why he was instructing them. Because he's wanting to wanting you and I to read this and say, you know what? 
I've got, to, I've got to look at these things in my life. Is this an attitude in my life? Do I get angry? Does that lead to wrath? Rage? How many have ever driven in traffic and people cut you off? Yeah. Something just gets a hold of you. You know. Outburst. Violent anger. Then he says malice. What is malice? It's viciousness. Malice is a desire to harm others. Why, why is Paul putting this here? Why is he talking to them like this? Why is he bringing this up? I don't know about them, but I know what it speaks to me. I know what it tells me. I, I, I don't want to have that attitude. I, I want to I block that from my life to where I can act uh, with an attitude of malice. Then he goes on and says blasphemy. An attitude of blasphemy. Blasphemy, reviling or slandering God. That's, you see, folks, that's the reason why, look, you know, it's just a sidebar. It's the reason why I have a problem when people kind of inject God into some of the other words that they say. You understand what I'm saying? I, I have a problem with that. I was, I was uh, watching a, a news feed of some people over in Europe somewhere. They were traveling, and uh, they had one of those luggage rack or luggage uh, things on the car that they keep their luggage in because they had like two teenage boys it looked like and uh, mom and dad, there was probably four of them in there, so where are you going to put the luggage? And, uh, and so they stopped for a moment, and when they stopped, all of a sudden, that thing opens up, and there's two stowaways, two guys in there, two uh, immigrants, Ill illegal immigrants that, that were there, and, and so they're, they're, they're all kind of, hey, what are you doing? You know? And I'm thinking to myself, hey, you don't know what they got. You better just kind of back off a minute. And, and they get out of there, and they're yelling at him. And the mom just uses God in a, another form. And I'm thinking, lady, do you not even realize that you just used a word that you shouldn't be using anyway, and you attach God to it? Didn't make sense to me. Amen. So, so we have to realize blasphemy, reviling or slandering God. In this contest uh, here, though, probably has a more general meaning encompassing all forms of slander. You know, a lot of people, you know, they slander God left and right every day. You know, that's just the way some people are. You know, for some reason, they, they, they uh, just kind of ignore that there is a real God, and they just kind of act out that way. Then he calls filthy communications. Filthy communications. What is that? Obscene speech? Filthy or abusive language? You know, I've heard, I've heard Christians, when they get aggravated or mad, say some things sometimes and then catch themselves and say, oh, I'm sorry. Right? Look, in church, there's no, there, there's no room for off-color jokes. 
If you got one, don't come to me with it. I don't participate in that kind of stuff. There's, there's, no, there's no room for, you know, just uh, uh, having this filthy, abusive language just because you got mad. No, there's no excuse for it. You get mad and you start throwing these little four-letter words out and all this kind of There's no excuse for that. But pastor, you don't understand. I was really mad. Well, how, how much Holy Ghost do you have? Because if I understand the scripture, when he saved you and he filled you with his spirit, if you walk in him, it's his spirit that causes you to keep yourself from those kind of passions. Obscene speech, filthy or abusive language. Some people talk to family members. Hmm. Come on. Come on now. Do you all agree with me out there in the internet world? Some people talk to family members sometimes that makes me cringe. Why? Why do you scream and yell at each other? Why do you say the things you say to each other? Have you ever been in a store and heard it? Gas station? Sometimes I've walked up on something and I'm thinking, man, this could get ugly pretty quick. So this description includes lustful innuendos, suggestive speech, all these kind of things. You know, that, that, that one finger that everybody likes to throw up at somebody. Even in gesture, even, even when they're, they're not mad at them, just, it's a point of conversation with them when they say something getting around and they just, as they would say, flip them the bird. Why? Does that supposedly excuse you from, instead of using the finger, to go ahead and just say it? This is what Paul's talking about. As a Christian, as a child of God, we need to conduct ourselves in a way that God wants us to. In a way that, that, that shows people uh, righteousness and, and a, a lifestyle that, that is uh, unto God. So, uh, you know... So here it, it talks about out of your mouth. So it, it goes on and says out of your mouth. The phrase out of your mouth probably re refers to all the preceding evils rather than this one. All of these things. Everybody say all of them. And so basically we must specifically avoid these attitudes as expressed in speech. Everybody say avoid them. Can't let these things come out of your mouth. They will destroy you. Amen. They will destroy you. Verse 9 mentions other, another sin of the tongue. Lying. Everybody say lying. It's not a big thing. It was just, it was just a white lie. Oh, <laughs> I thought the Lord was talking. <laughs> I thought he was telling me it's time to quit this message tonight. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Come on up and play. We'll, we'll start on verse 9 next week. <laughs> Praise God. Isn't that good? 
Hey, the word of the Lord is good. The word of the Lord, man, it is truly, as the psalmist said, it is a lamp unto our feet. It's a lamp unto our feet. It leads us, it guides us, and when we adhere to it, we live a, we live a better life. We live a better life. Man, you know, when I don't let, you know, Brother Howard, when I, when I, when I don't let that anger and all these different things kind of creep up in my, when I go to bed at night, I, I've got a clear conscience. I can lay down, I can, I can go to sleep, I'm not worried about it. You know, have I, have I said something that I need to ask forgiveness over? I don't have to worry about it. I just make sure I take care of all those things and I don't let them get to that point. I, I, I put them back. I don't want them to be out of my mouth because when they come out of my mouth, I'm responsible for them. How many believe that tonight? That we are responsible for them. We're responsible for them. Man, so we're going to talk about lying next week. Let's stand together. Praise God. Isn't the Lord good? Man, there's nobody like Him to help us along the way, to guide us, to lead us, to show us. Amen. Could you imagine if we did not have this? Could you imagine if we were just trying to live our lives based on you were living your life based on what I was preaching every Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night or one of the other ministry could you imagine that's all you did you never got in this yourself you just got little snapshots little things here and there that you were trying to live your life on but yet with this when we're at home or wherever we might be and we open it up the word begins to speak to us the word begins to show us the word begins to tell us, hey, you need to work on this part of your life. You need to work on this attitude, this area. And that's what helps us grow in the Lord. So without this, man, we would be lost. So I don't know about you, but when I read Paul's writings, or I read the word of God, I want it to hit me. If he has to hit me dead in the forehead, hit me. I want that to seek in. If something's not right there, I want the Word to address it in my life to where when I read it, it said, hey, you need to straighten up in this area or that area, this area. See, folks, we can't let hatred, we can't let that stuff get in our heart because when it does, we're jeopardizing our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is not His will. He's, he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So you and I, we have to follow the Word of God. Do you believe that tonight? We'll pick up next week. Amen. We'll pick up next week. So let's pray. Let's just ask God in closing tonight. Let's just ask God right now, Lord, let my heart be soft. Let my heart be soft. Amen. That I can follow your Word. Lord God, we thank you tonight. Amen. We thank you. For your goodness and mercy, your loving kindness. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to not only be here tonight, but to be able to share your word. Amen. That the word, Lord, would resonate with us. And your word would implore us. And your word would draw us. You would woo us, oh God. Amen. By your word that we would live a life. Amen. That's, that would be pleasing unto you. Amen. We would live that life. Amen. That. That, that will help us to walk a successful life.
life in you. I pray, God, bless us tonight. Bless us tonight. Bless us tonight. Just raise your hands and let's sing it together.